for the Athletic Podcast Network. This is the update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Matt Schneidman, who covers the Green Bay Packers for the Athletic, about Saturday's divisional game between the 49ers and the Packers, the ninth such meeting between these two teams in playoff history. And it all started back in 1996, the first time these two teams met in the playoffs. They also met in the 2019 NFC Championship a couple of years ago, and they met most recently back in Week 3, where the 49ers trailed 17-0, come roaring back and take the lead for the first time in the game with 37 seconds on the clock, not to be out done by Aaron Rodgers who drives the field and gets a field goal from Mason Crosby as time expires. These two teams we've seen in the playoffs so many times it's all stuff we can talk about with Matt Schneidman who joins me next. Today is Wednesday, January 19th. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast, actually for the second time this season, Matt Schneidman. He, of course, covers the Green Bay Packers for The Athletic. And Matt, when we talked back in week three, I know the 49ers had playoff aspirations. The Packers expected to be in this spot, maybe not as the number one seed, but certainly happy to be there uh, having a week off for Super Wild Card Weekend. And we got another big Packers 49er tilt for the Niners. It's like a blast from the 90s. Cowboys and Packers, man. Uh, How are you and and how's that thread of of that storyline? Packers, Niners, again, going in Green Bay. Well, I'm good. Thanks for having me on again. It seems like these two teams play every single week these days. I think it's, what, the fifth time in the last three years. They've played each of the last three regular seasons in Santa Clara and then into the last three playoffs. So it's always good to talk to you guys. Thinking back to that 2019 NFC title game when I'm talking about these two teams becoming common playoff opponents over the last decade or whatever it is, it seems to have that same tenor of 49ers are going to win this game if they can run the ball the way they did in that in that 2019 game. Obviously, if you run for 285 yards, you're probably going to win any game, but I think that's the matchup within the matchup that's going to decide this one. The Packers' run defense has been okay, not great. 49ers obviously pose a sizable threat in the run game. No Raheem Mostert, who ran wild on the Packers two years ago, but they're using Debo Samuel in creative ways. Elijah Mitchell's a good player. He did not play in week three against the Packers when the Packers really limited the 49ers on the ground. So that's the matchup I'm going to be watching closest is can they force Jimmy Garoppolo and his bum thumb and bum shoulder to throw in temperatures he's never played in or taken meaningful snaps in, I should say. If the Packers can do that, I think they win this game. So tell me what's different. And by the way, this will be the ninth time they've met in the playoffs, which is sort of crazy. Uh, you go back to their first playoff meeting, two classic franchises. Obviously, the Packers uh, win the first and second Super Bowl, but their first playoff meeting ever, 1996 season, would have been January 4, 97. They met in the divisional round. What's crazy about that is the Niners had already racked up five Super Bowls. The Packers had won multiple Super Bowls, and they had not done it in a playoff game against each other. Actually, that was the second time they played in a playoff game. The first time they played 1995 divisional round, January. January 6th, early 96. As far as how different these teams are from when they met in week three, we know the 49ers obviously are using Debo Samuel in a different way. Brendan Ayuk is more a part of the offense. Jimmy G may be clicking better now than he was back then. What's different about the Packers from what we saw week three? Because I know week one, Aaron Rodgers was a was a little bit, uh, he, he wasn't the Rodgers we were used to, but he's clearly back to form right now. He has been playing lights out. He's about to win his fourth MVP award. And it's really since he fractured his toe during his COVID bye week in week nine that he's been lights out. He has not thrown an interception during that time. He's really played flawless football, arguably the best football of his career. So that's number one. He was playing well back early in the season. 
especially coming off that that week one debacle in Jacksonville against the Saints. But a couple things are different. They'll have David Bakhtiari playing left tackle, their first team all pro from a year ago, who played 27 snaps against the Lions in week 18. Torres ACL in week 17 practice last year, just returned for week 18 against the Lions, got his feet wet a little bit. He is expected to play. In week three, the Packers started Yash Nyman at left tackle, his first career start. And they really used a lot of chips on Nick Bosa, and, and Yash struggled early against Nick Bosa. But they've got Bakhtiari back in there. They're going to have Jair Alexander back. Obviously, Jair played in that week three game, but he has not played since week four. He is expected to be back. Zadarius Smith, their all-pro edge rusher from a year ago, he did not play in week three. He hasn't played since week one. He is expected to be back. Uh, Matt LaFleur used the word hopeful today when describing his expectations for Smith and Alexander to play. I would expect them both to play. That's that's my opinion. Even if Zedarius Smith is just like an inside rusher on third downs, that, that elevates this defense so much, especially against the 49ers O-line and, and Jimmy when he drops back to pass. And I think the Packers running game, just like the 49ers, is capable of winning them any game and controlling the clock. They have arguably the best one-two punch in the league in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. It wasn't bad when these teams first played, but they've really come a long way and proven that they can control a game with their running backs, both capable on the ground and in the air. So it's going to be a really good game. You know, Matt LaFleur said today, he doesn't just throw out the tape from that game. Obviously, the two teams are very different, not only in, you know, their momentum and and how they're playing now, but with the personnel they'll have on the field. So I'm just glad I don't have to fly halfway across the country to get to the game this time. Yeah, going to be a cold one, but it won't be snowy and rainy. I don't think the forecast calls for. Is that ever even a topic anymore in Green Bay, how cold it's going to be for for January playoff games? Because I know the 49ers are certainly talking about it, and I think what comes to mind is that 181-yard game that uh, Colin Kaepernick uh, had. That one was here, actually, in San Francisco, but then 98 yards against the Packers a couple of years later. Is that even a topic anymore for playoff games? Not in terms of what makes the Packers uncomfortable. They want it to be that low. I think in terms of other teams, especially warm weather teams having to come in here, yeah, I think it's a big deal. And I'm going to pull up a stat from ESPN Stats and Info. This is a very interesting one. Since 2014, there have been 101 different quarterbacks to start a game with kickoff temperatures below 40 degrees, and Jimmy Garoppolo is not one of them. In that same time, 122 different quarterbacks have thrown a pass with kickoff temperatures below 40 degrees, and Garoppolo is not one of them. He took three snaps in those temperatures in New England, but all three were kneel downs. So maybe the weather gets blown out of proportion a little bit, but not when it's a quarterback that is not used to it, especially one who's banged up on his throwing arm and hand who will probably have to pass more than he did two years ago when he threw only eight passes in the NFC title game. Packers really want it to be a lot colder because it was not for the NFC title game here last year against the Buccaneers. It looks like it'll be between 5 and 15, 5 and 20 degrees Fahrenheit on Saturday night. Packers hope it probably gets a little lower than even that. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. When you look at deficiencies for the Packers, and there aren't many of them, you talk about that opening loss to the uh, to the New Orleans Saints, where uh, they got blown out thirty eight to three, the final in that that Week One game. They did lose to the Chiefs. Uh, that game was in Kansas City, and they also lost uh, to the Detroit Lions, right, to end the season. But also uh, not a game that uh, I don't think you, you put a lot of weight into that game, Week eighteen, and they kind of knew what was going on already at that point. So if you talk about the other two losses, what are the deficiencies you saw in those games? What allowed, and really, I, I guess the main one I'm asking about 
about is the the Kansas City Chiefs game because week one's a little weird, week 18's a little bit weird, but if you look at that Chiefs game and you look at the Vikings game that they lost week 11, what are the two things that stand out to you as ways that you can beat the Packers and, and do the 49ers have the skill set and the ability to do so? Well, week nine against the Chiefs, Aaron Rodgers didn't play because he had COVID. So that was the game Jordan Love, his first career start, did not play right, well at right. all. Packers lost 13-7, to even without Aaron Rodgers playing, and they missed two field goals. So that's six points right there. So I kind of even wiped that game off entirely because you can't really evaluate the Packers now, especially with how Aaron Rodgers has played since he didn't play in that game. The Vikings game, their defense just played really poorly, and their defense has played really poorly since then. They didn't allow more than 22 points from weeks four to week 10, and they won all those games. Week 11 against the Vikings, they lose 34-31. Their corners really struggled in that game against Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, who are, yes, one of the better receiving duos in the league, but Since then, the Packers' defense has been pretty bad. Their run defense has been really bad. They've gotten breaks against quarterbacks like Sean Mannion, Baker Mayfield, Tyler Huntley, but they didn't play well against Jared Goff and and the Lions, and the defense is a serious area of concern for the Packers entering the playoffs. Yes, it helps that they get arguably their two best defenders back in Zadaria Smith and Jair Alexander, But how much they'll play, how effective they'll be coming off lengthy, lengthy absences, I don't know. But I would say, you know, scratching that week nine game against the Chiefs because Aaron Rodgers didn't play, I would take that week 11 game and use it as kind of the starting point for what has been almost a collapse for this Packers defense the second half of the season. And it wouldn't be a Green Bay Packers playoff run without significant worry about the defense. How was the week three victory looked at over the 49ers? Because they were up 17 nothing, and the Niners, I think, are viewed as a team that they've got to sort of get clicking early. However, they've had some come-from-behind wins, and even in that game, they were down 17 nothing. They take the lead with 37 seconds left, and it was just too much time. Probably shouldn't have even kicked it out of the end zone there uh, when Wisnowski kicked it off uh, to give it back to Aaron Rodgers. They probably should have squibbed it and, and made him uh, take it up from a little deeper back near their own end zone, but uh, the rest is history. They come down, they kick the field goal, and Mason Crosby walks it off. As far as as that game, how is that one viewed, you think, in the ledger of Packers wins this year? Because I think the 49er fans feel like that's a game they should have won. They had it in hand and just sort of fell apart at the end. They feel that way about the Tennessee Titans as well. The top two seeds in the playoffs were close to losing games to the Niners. Is that viewed as a good win? Is it viewed as a game that they melted down a little bit? And are they still susceptible to that sort of come from behind win by the opposition based on the defense you're talking about? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of everything. That start was exactly what the Packers wanted. They were up 17 nothing. It's exactly what they need on Saturday because you look back at the last two times the 49ers beat the Packers in 2019, they got off to miserable starts. And I know this isn't the NFC Championship game, but it kind of has that sort of feel to it. Packers have not held a lead in either of their last two NFC Championship games. They got down 27 nothing against the 49ers two years ago. They need to get off to a start like they did in week three. So that's the good side of it. The bad side is that they let the 49ers back in the game, and that started with the Trey Lance touchdown run. I believe it was on the last play of the first half. That has kind of been something that we've seen with the Packers throughout the season, whether it's against the Rams, the Bears, the Ravens. They were up 31-14 on the Ravens in the fourth quarter, and then the Ravens come back and lose 31-30. So the Packers are up big late and they let teams back in. Their themes this year have been don't show up for the first quarter, blow teams out in the second and third quarter, try coasting in the fourth quarter and let teams get back in it but pull out the win. 
They need a much more consistent performance if they want to win this game. Luckily, they're going against a team that did not put together a complete game last week, didn't put together a complete game in week three. So it's not like the 49ers, I think, will jump on all over them if the Packers get off to another slow start. But it would certainly help if the Packers can strike first and kind of take the 49ers out of that we can just run the ball all day method. I know Kyle Shanahan is committed to the run as anyone. He did that when they were down 17 nothing against the Rams a couple weeks ago. But if the Packers can have the first one or two scores of the game, that might throw Jimmy force, I should say, Jimmy to throw the ball a little bit more, which is the ideal scenario for the Packers. Boy, sure does sound familiar playing three quarters of football or playing a, a couple of good quarters of football, getting up big and then allowing teams back in. And I was like, man, Matt LaFleur and Kyle have more in common than we thought. <laughs> Maybe exactly. As far as end of game play calling is concerned. Uh, on the way out here, man, just a thought on Devontae Adams. Uh, when, he, when he played against the Niners back in week three, I think 12 of Rodgers' 23 completions went to him. He had over 150 or over 130 yards receiving that game, which was more than half of Rodgers' passing yards within that game. These guys have great rapport. He does such a great job when plays break down of finding an open spot on the field. Have you seen over the over the few years you've been covering the Packers what teams can do to take him out of the game? I mean, he's he appears to be able to get open just at any point that he wants. He's a great route runner. He's some of the best hands in football, great body awareness, can be physical with defenders on the outside, outside the numbers if he needs to. But he torched them the first time they played him. You'd like to say, yeah, if he has a big game, they can win this thing. Is there anything the Niners can do to take him out? Or is he just sort of a, you got to take what he's going to do and, and try to win anyway? I think it's more of that. The Ravens triple teamed him. You know, a lot of teams, you know, offer safety help over the top. But one of the best things Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams have done this year is still finding ways to to scheme him open and get him open, whether it's from the slot, motioning out of the backfield, lining up out wide on the edge, slants, go routes, sluggos, whatever it may be. They have found ways to get him open. The 49ers, I would anticipate, would delegate more than the normal amount of resources to Devontae Adams so he doesn't wreck the game again. He still could. But what's important for the Packers is that if they do limit him to, say, five catches for 60 yards, which is a a down night for Devontae, that Alan Lazard and Marquez Valdez-Scantling step up. There is only one player in the NFL over the last five weeks of the season with more touchdown catches than Alan Lazard. And that's Devontae Adams. Lazard has been really good the second or last quarter of the season, I should say. Valdez Scantling is always that deep threat who poses a threat to take the top off the defense. He returned to practice today. So they need production from those guys if Devontae is not going not gonna to have the freedom like he sometimes has. But I think the Packers have, have plenty of resources in the passing game to expose a 49er secondary that's better than it was in week three, but probably not enough at least from what it takes to, to slow this Packers passing game down. You don't want to get ahead of yourself, or the team doesn't want to get ahead of themselves, thinking about a potential NFC Championship rematch with Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. you got to get one before you get two. But is that something that's, that's already been a topic of conversation? Is that something fans are talking about, or, or you writers are discussing, that a win here, potentially, and of course they've got to win their game against the LA Rams as well, but is that something that's sort of hanging over here, that maybe after uh, uh, some mismanagement at the end of that NFC Championship last year, you feel like uh, you got a chance to, to redo things here, you get a second opportunity? Is this a topic. Listen, nobody hates uh, athlete and coach cliches more than I do, but I really do think, even from my perspective, it's they got to focus on this game this week because this is a team that whooped them two years ago in the playoffs, and I think there's revenge on their mind, even though it's not the NFC title game. And yes, it would be poetic for the Packers to make the Super Bowl this year, defeating the 49ers and the Buccaneers, the two teams that have ended their seasons the last two years. But even from a, an objective sports writer's perspective, 
49ers pose way too big of a challenge for the Packers to be looking at the potential of next week. The 49ers were the toughest possible matchup, I think, for the Packers in the divisional round out of the four possible teams they could have played. And it's going to be a really, really good game. And it's going to have that NFC Championship game type feel, I think, on Saturday night here in Green Bay. And I can guarantee you nobody is looking past that. And that's not just a, a cliche. I think it's really the truth. Yeah, man, I say that's the the one bummer about this game is Niners-Packers is not the NFC Championship. And on the other side, man, that AFC game between the Bills and the uh, the Chiefs, because the number one seed is the Titans, we're getting Bills-Chiefs in the divisional round. I would like to see that in, a, in an AFC Championship as well. But, uh, hey, Matt, you do such a great job uh, covering the team, man, following you since your Raider days here in the Bay Area. Uh, it's a lot of fun talking to you, catching up. Great insight. And uh, we'll make sure we listen to the podcast and uh, and check you out as we get closer to game time. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, as always. Great talking to you. Great stuff from Matt Schneidman. This will be the ninth meeting between the 49ers and the Packers. It is so funny that both those teams won so many Super Bowls before ever squaring off in the playoffs, and the Niners win five of them. And now, since uh, that 1996 matchup, the 95 season, they've met nine times. They will tie the Rams and the Cowboys. A lot of those matchups coming way back when, in the 70s, uh, 60s and the 70s. Niners uh, and the Packers will tie them for the most ever matchups in playoff history. But as of late, this has got to be the most frequent matchup. We've seen so many great players in this uh, this back and forth as well. Brett Favre, Steve Young, Colin Kaepernick, obviously Aaron Rodgers, and Jimmy Garoppolo throws his name back in the uh, into the fire here uh, after a big win in which he only threw the ball eight times back in that 2019 into the 2020 season, uh, 2020 calendar, I should say, NFC Championship. Thank you to Matt Schneidman. Thank you to Brian, my producer. And thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. And we'll keep bringing you the best stories in Bay Area sports. Everybody get their fingers crossed for the 49ers for this week. On Friday, we'll get you ready for this game, which goes down on Saturday. 5-15 kick. It'll be over on KNBR 104.5 and 680. It'll be on Fox this week. It's a Fox broadcast this week on television. Everybody enjoy the week. We'll get you ready on Friday.